0: Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Thank you. Cool, we're live, we're strolling, we're rolling. I'm excited. It happens to be a Friday today, but we just decided it's not yet five o'clock anywhere. So, we will podcast and then shortly afterward, we will find somewhere that's five o'clock. My guest today, he is awesome. We had so much fun talking. We almost didn't hit record, really. We're just we're off to the races. He's a mentor, a speaker, an ecosystem builder, a connector, promoter, all about market entry in the international space, as well as fast growth specialist. Love that. It's all about growth and fast. We don't on 50 years to get there. Let's do it. Founder and chief pot stir at Softland Partners. Also, founder and client advocate at Meet Bill Kenny. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Casey. How are you? Good, man. I'm doing really good. Like I said, it's Friday, so I'm feeling it. But I'm excited and to have a conversation like this on a Friday to close it out. Pretty, pretty soon after this, there may be other meetings, but I'm not sure because I'm going to go see what kind of concoction I can make upstairs. <laughs>
1: Sounds like a good. That's that's words to live by for sure.
0: A hundred percent, and uh, and you can. Uh, you can put my name on it because that's, uh, that's where I'm going after this. But but hey, this is exciting. It's our marketing leadership series. We're talking events. We're talking virtual. We're talking it's – it's about meeting and connecting with people. So I want to do this thing Is I want to pass you this. It's heavy for me, but that's because I don't work out enough, and I know you do. So here we go. Ugh, okay. Thor's hammer. Oh. Grab it. You got this. You got it? Okay. You got go. it. That looked like a good tennis. That was a good tennis grab. Like you're just <laughs> knock that thing over. Like maybe we tennis. You know, back in the old days. We'll, we'll do so it. Take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all.
1: Yeah. No. Great question. So you know, here's one that that we so our our business uh, we, we're in essentially the trade show support business. Uh, yeah. Our company meet helps international companies come in. And uh, and scale through uh, trade shows and events, and um, so the as we walk around trade shows, when we could walk around trade shows, yeah. Um, but even in the virtual sense, uh, when we see companies in their booth, you know, they've got all the tchotchkes, and yep. they've got you know the couple of salespeople in the booth and all that, and uh, and then they have this sign that says "Sign up to win a free iPad." Yes, and so. You know, if if you know if you think about that, it, and and you dive into it, it is you know that and anything sort of like that—the free TV, the car, the whatever—you um, know, the free weekend. Uh, unless you're selling iPads, it's a pretty dumb idea to give away, <laughs> right? So who you know who who are you attracting um, right. by that? And if you think of. You know, if you think of the process like fishing, um, you know, you want to you want to be you want to be making offers that are in line with what you're trying to catch.
0: Absolutely. And you had said, who are you attracting? And I can tell you who you're attracting because I don't know if you've done this, but I have sometimes, you know, my meetings, I get a little break um, and I'm just walking around. My eyes are scanning for that i look at the top of the booth to see if maybe they've labeled themselves properly and I can understand sure. what they are just looking at them. But then secondarily, yeah. what do you got? You got something interesting? And you're, and I've got two kids and it's like, they're still in the teddy bear phase. So if you got a stuffed unicorn, you can scan me and I'm going to sweet talk. You're not, not going to say no to me. You're going to give me two unicorns. <laughs> and And when you email me on Monday, I'm going to unsubscribe most likely. You yeah. know, it's yeah. not it's not, re- it's too much, right? Is that, is that the point? Is just, it's too much or it's just, what, yeah, what's, so, what's the problem so, with the iPad?
1: Yeah. So let's back away from that just for a second. Yeah. So a quick example. So, you know, so I, I, I like to give uh, maritime metaphors. Uh, yes. I, I, I don't know. It's a, maybe an occupational hazard. So, so the metaphor I'll give you will be about fishing. Uh, okay. So imagine somebody that fishes and, and if you talk to people that fish, they make three basic decisions. Um, the first is what do I want to catch, which on the surface sounds like a pretty simple decision until you understand that there are 34,000 species of fish plus all sorts of subspecies. So that's has been I mean, that in, it, in itself, even though somebody that fishes might say, oh, I'm going out today for salmon or for striped bass or, you yeah. know, whatever it is, you know, they, they've, they've essentially decided not to catch 33,999 species of fish and they're going after this one. And it's a, it's a pretty good decision. And certainly for marketers, very focusing. And of course, once they decide what fish they want to catch, it's much easier to figure out where to go fishing. Mm -hmm. And the third decision, what bait to put in the water. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, when you think about it, if you've gone to the right place and you put the right bait in the water, um, then you're much more likely to attract that exact kind of fish, and and people that fly fish know this well. They typically don't go with one fly when they go fishing. They, they'll mm-hmm. narrow it down to the top five or top ten flies that they think will work in this body of water for the target fish, and they'll test. And so you know the idea, the notion that our bait is an iPad, um, you know, so you know, or or the or the unicorn uh, it, it, whatever it is, um, it, we're going to attract essentially what we bait for. And so you want to make sure that your, your bait, you know, really lines up with what you're trying to attract. And, and where we usually start with that is with, with clients is, um, uh, you know, you have, to, you know, let's start with your knowledge of your customer, you know, okay. that, you know that, that, uh, buyer persona and, you know, what do you know about that you know, what keeps them awake at night? And you know, and there may be some depending on the type of business. There may be some marketplace dynamics that are going on. Maybe, maybe there's regulatory change, um, or maybe there's you know competitive pressure. Uh, maybe there's technology change. Whatever it is, but figuring if you know what's keeping them up at night, then then having offers that somehow illuminate that, uh, and not not necessarily the cure, but the pain, uh, mm-hmm. and and essentially know you know letting them know you have something. Uh, that can help with this pain. And it could be a webinar on, it could be a white paper on, you know, we, we spend all of our time in a B2B space. So that's kind of where we're focused. Right. Um, it, it's going to be a little bit different formula with consumer stuff, but you know, it's the same concept is the bait certainly has to, has to attract the people you're aiming for. I mean, certainly on the consumer side, people are aiming at, you know, certain, you know, net worths or certain, you know, geographic areas or homes with certain dynamics like, okay whether it's, you know, kids and families or, you know, divorce or whatever it might be. So, uh, you know, just knowing being very um, uh, uh, empathic towards your customer, your target customer and, and, you know, communicating to them in a way that uh, that is attractive for them.
0: Got it. So does that rule out the iPad is too generic? Is that like fishing with a worm where pretty much every fish is going to be like, yeah,
1: I'm kind of interested in that yeah well the ipad so just just think about it it doesn't it's not discriminating at all unless right. you're unless you know you're essentially getting very well i mean i think there are a lot of reasons to think you're getting a below average list of the average attendees so in other words these are likely people that don't have ipads um so it's, it's tell, already oh that's
0: a good point
1: right you've already <laughs> so got
0: an like, ipad
1: yeah yeah so you know, there, there are a few generations behind maybe, uh, in terms of the folks you're trying to attract, but, but also it's, it's not at all helping you, you know, if, if the average attendee at an event is, um, is good for you, then that's fine. But I guess mm. I haven't met the customer yet that can tell me the you know, sort of the average attendee is good. I mean, if you think of what a prospect is, it's, you know, prospect is a, a very discreet, um, individual you know it's, they they have to have they have to comply with three characteristics they have to have a need they need to have money and they need to be urgent um, if they don't have all three of those they're not a prospect today so you know the idea and, and that's where i think sales really fails is that we tend to try to sell to people that that don't fit those mm-hmm. and, and that's really what the what you can do it's on you know it, it actually has a lot of um similarities to staffing people always ask how do you have such good employees it's you know it, it a lot of it's driven by the recruiting and I think the same thing is true of you know sort of pipeline if you if right. you have a good pipeline you're gonna have good customers and and you're gonna have a, a, a more efficient sales process one that you, know, you don't have as long a sales cycle as maybe some of your competitors and and things like that but it, yeah. you know if you're if the sort of intake that you know moving people from suspect to prospect is efficient and um, and qualifying uh mm-hmm. then then you're you you end up deploying your sales resource your sales people and your sales time in a much more efficient way
0: yeah you want to maximize that human time right you know yeah. i like your the maritime lore by the way marines are these <laughs> creatures so we go land sea air whatever that's it um but uh um I saw a video recently, I don't know, it was Facebook or something about someone fishing my YouTube. I lose a lot of time on YouTube, but I'm not so, I'm not sure if I'm sad about that or I just, I don't know. Um, Better than primetime TV. That's for sure. Um, I saw a video of someone fishing with a baby duck. Don't worry people. It was fake. It was not real. But the, the, the lore or the, the thing here was, Like and it was cute, and it has a little waggly thing, a little little feather on it, and it has its tongue sticking out like it's dead, which is hilarious. But it's fake, it's plastic, but it's got some hooks in it to get fish. But he was saying this is the lure that gets like the pike, the big fish that are able to try to eat a duck. Like that's a big fish, Mm -hmm. and sure enough, one went crazy after this thing. And that sounds like more like little baby fish aren't gonna be like, I'm not gonna eat a duck. Like that thing's big. I don't have room in my mouth for that, but a big fish is going to be like, yep, that's what I want. So it sounds like we need to be more of a, we need to fish with baby ducks. What, what is any good example of that? Like if you're going for, say, a VP of marketing or, you know, founders of, or CEOs of companies, have you seen any good use of that? What are in some good
1: ones? The, the best bait?
0: Yeah, what are the best bait for maybe you, you pick, like maybe tell me the fish and then tell me the bait kind of thing.
1: Yeah, sure. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, when you think about it, you know, again, it's, it's really knowing that persona really well. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I think that, you know, probably more important than the best date and I'll, I'll get to the, that example, but sure. uh, it, it's really, I th- actually, I think having the wisdom to not be sure and to be okay with testing. Um, okay. And so when you look at this process, people tend to go, you know, with what we see is people, in the early stages, you know, and, and we work a lot with, with market entry. So these are companies that don't have any U.S. sales experience. Yeah. And so it's almost like a relaunch because they have to learn how to communicate and attract, uh, communicate with and attract U.S. clients. And, um, and so we, in the first six to 12 months, we're not doing any large shows. We're doing everything we do is, you know, sort of local and regional. Um, and so, and the there's really a, a few different ideas there number one is they can't probably handle large volumes at one time, mm-hmm. both in terms of prospects and and new clients. It's just you know they don't have the bandwidth to do that and they need to test the operation as well to make sure everything is right but even more than that is um when you're doing the you know the large events those are only they're generally they're annual so you get very few data points right you get you know the events in april and we get we had the event in April we'll get we'll get more feedback next April. Um, right. And so much better to do events that are local and regional that happen weekly or monthly and and, and that you can have some, you know, it's a smaller audience, same, same buyer personas, mm-hmm. but a smaller audience, uh, much less expensive. You can sleep in your own bed at night, a lot of efficiency there, but every week you can be doing different tests. And so like, for example, we do trade shows very often where, um, you know, it might be a one-day event, kind of a tabletop, very simple. And in the morning, you have um, a, a booth set up in a, you know, in certain collateral and so on. And it's aimed at a specific buyer persona with a certain value proposition and a certain, um, and a certain date. Mm-hmm. Um, they, everybody goes to lunch halfway through the event and we completely switch the booth. Uh, and we put in, you know, essentially aiming at the same buyer persona, but a different value proposition and a different piece of bait. So I think more of, you know, more of the, the process is, is not necessarily which bait, you know, so what's the magic bait? And I think as somebody that's good at fishing knows the bait is variable and you really uh, have to, yeah, te- yeah. you have to be open to testing and learning. If you, you know, if you, if, you know, there are going to be a, probably a lot of folks listening to your podcast that are, are familiar with inbound marketing. This is essentially inbound marketing in person. It's employing a lot of the same things. It's saying, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's having the wisdom to say, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I have some hypotheses Mm -hmm. and and it's really about being setting up your, your marketing in this, in this situation so that it's flexible in a way that you can test and validate, test and validate. And, um, and really, because if you want to scale, you know, if you think of, sort of market entry, and you have that first hypothesis of sort of who the customer is. And it's probably somewhat of a dirt road, and it's curved, and it's up and down. And, you know, just it's, it's an indirect route to that first right. customer. Yep. And, and then, you know, you have that one salesperson, that's kind of starting the process, and, and it, it over the course of a few months, and maybe a year, it becomes what what seems like a, a straight paved road. and And what allows you to scale is when you can kind of when you, when you get that straight paved road is that you, um, then can, you know, kind of multiply that out so that, you know, within, you know, in that second year, you're really much more focused on, on creating the autobahn. It's like bandwidth, right? It's how, gotcha. how much information can we put through this pipe? Cause that's what creates scaling. You, you don't want, you know, it, you know, Casey's sales system for selling product X and Bill's sales system and Susan's sales system. You want to have a repeatable system that everybody is, you know, by and large, um, utilizing to both identify prospects and then convert them into customers. And and right. if it's if if we're all sort of employing sort of different, you know, methodologies and and sort of different uh, ways of doing that, um, you know, I think you you need to individualize. But but the core system um, and the you know the core definitions of even I we find companies even. Uh, you know, U.S. mature companies struggle quite often to succinctly articulate who their prospect is. I mean, right. I, and, and, and we tend to see a lot of creep in that. Uh, you know, as, as companies mature, as, you know, it, it just gets very you know, sort of anything that swims by, we're happy to catch. Uh, mm-hmm. As as opposed to being, because it's hard to market to everybody. It's really hard to have a, a clear you know value proposition for everybody. It's much easier to have a succinct value proposition for you know for specific targets and, and, it's true
0: It's yeah. true. now uh, i mean it's true but fisherman to fisherman <laughs>
1: yeah, i mean I, have
0: you seen some some lures work well
1: yeah yeah oh sure absolutely i'm, I'm sorry i didn't answer that question directly, no so. no
0: i know I, I mean your answer is the right one my answer is the
1: <laughs> no, no no little cool. kid
0: asking for ice cream but i kind of do want to know if there's a so, magic fishing spot and the uh,
1: lure yeah, yeah. that you always well, use i'll give you some examples um yeah, yeah. so uh, so um you know with our a lot of our clients are selling you know somewhat technical um okay. uh um product to enterprise type type clients so you know quite often these are um you know long sales cycle um more sophisticated uh conceptual type sales so mm-hmm. uh, things like uh, you know um, high value webinar topics, uh, you know, and, and that can be promoted right in the booth, you know, next, you know, next week we're having a webinar on X or Y and, and, um, or it could be, um, it could be an executive briefing that happens, you know, that's happening at a cocktail reception, one of the evenings of this event or whatever the case that might be. Um, but you know, the funny thing is, is, you know, you, you think of this, and you really actually only need the sign and a sign-up sheet, um, or the scanning tool, or whatever. You actually don't need to. You should. You don't need to actually ever run the webinar because the, the bait has served its purpose when people opt in. So to hmm. you know think about the difference in a prospect. The way most people uh, sort of go to um, uh, to trade shows is they yeah I think of like a, what is it like a Barker uh, somebody who you sort of yells out and pulls people from the crowd, yeah. Um, and you know, they, 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 and you may even have a strategy where you have two people standing in the aisle and you're pulling them into your booth. Yeah, you, yeah I've done that. Hey, come yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, I got
0: something selling, for you. Yeah.
1: yeah, if you're selling a very, if you're selling cable services and you're a, you know, you're a, you know, a consumer cable services company, that might be perfect if everybody is in the geography and they don't yet have your service and all that. That's probably great, but you know. It's a lot, that's a lot different prospect when you pull someone in versus them being attracted in and not Mm. for the unicorn or the iPad, but being attracted in for the bait that you're offering. And, and the kind of the cool thing about doing this at events is when somebody opts in, you have the opportunity besides them saying, yeah, I want to, I want to go to that executive briefing or that, that specific content that you're offering. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and you get that, you know, their, their contact info. But you also have the opportunity to to ask, you know, hey, you know, thank you. And we're glad that you're signing up for this. But what is it in particular that's attracting you to this? Is there something going on in your business that's, you know, particularly urgent on this topic? And so you can get much more dimension about what's attracting people in. And conversely, if it's not interesting for people, you can say, well, what is? We understand this is not a critical issue for you right now. What are the things you are grappling with? And Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's ways to really build your understanding and, and really goes beyond the idea of inbound marketing because inbound marketing quite often is opt-in or, or not. And, and right. the thing that you don't see when you're fishing, you know, I think to the to the demise of the, uh, or, or maybe to the benefit of the fisherman or fisherwoman is you don't see the fish that swim by, right? So you only have knowledge of the fish, not only that nibbles, but the one that actually gets caught by the by the hook, you don't see all of the fish that aren't attracted to your bait, which is the challenge at trade shows, right? That's if true. you do this, you have to have the discipline to commit to it, because you're going to see a lot. The, the idea here is a lot of fish should swim by. If you do this right, you, you know, if, if we're at a trade show with 10,000 people, I only really want to talk to about 100, or maybe it's 200, but it's a, a much smaller subset that have need, money, and are urgent for whatever it is we're offering. And so, yeah. you know, it might, it, it, if you're, you know, really you know uh, if you're if you got the right thing it might be one percent of the audience so it's the, uh what uh a hundred people uh maybe yeah. two maybe three but it's not you know it's it's not you know five thousand of the ten thousand yeah exactly they already might have a solution they don't have the problem i mean we want those people to continue walking we <laughs> you know and, and
0: yeah we you don't want everyone right
1: yeah well what and the do, more you don't the more the more non-prospects you have, the more dilutes your time for actually dealing with the people that are, you know, actually convertible. So, right. Yeah. What do you think about the difference
0: between a raffle and a straight up giveaway? Any differences prefer one or the other, or are they just kind of like another lore you could test with your fish.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, you know, yeah, I think that's the wisdom of it is, is really being open to testing. I would just say, you know, I, you know, we do work with some clients that work a lot with nonprofits and, I haven't necessarily used the raffle strategy, but that would, if you're doing, you know, if you're doing work where you have some nonprofit partners, like, for example, a lot of government contractors tend to have uh, nonprofit partners, so this is a great way to um, have more access to military leadership. Um, mm. And, um, and so a raffle, I think, is an interesting strategy for, you know, sort of getting people in um, uh, and, and engaging with people that, you know, otherwise may not be able to walk in or, or, uh, communicate directly. The contract cycles with the government are, are always interesting and, and you have to be really observant of, of rules, but there are, you know, certain exceptions to, to all this. And, and, you know, that type of uh, a raffle associated with a nonprofit partner might be a yeah strategy. I think,
0: I think less of raffles, you know, yeah. I, it's like, it's not, it not as real and it's almost like I'd rather they just, Maybe that gets into your persona work too. I mean, I'm just my own persona, whoever I, whatever model I fit into. But like, so I guess whatever we're saying, we're also saying like, try try it out. But yeah. like, from my perspective, you know, it's like, if you care enough, why don't you just give me the thing? If Make sure it fits me and like, give me the thing. I know I'm not going to win the thing, right? Like, right. I know you got one iPad, you got one of these. All right, I know I'm not gonna win. But you know what, I I will try to do it. <laughs> This is not necessarily good. I don't recommend it, but it just kind of shows that raffles. Like, I know the game, so when I'm talking to people, like, "Oh, put me in the raffle." Oh yeah, this sounds like a great idea. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. We we could probably get budget budget approval. You said earlier need money urgency. I'm like, we urgently need this thing, and we've got plenty of budget. And uh, yeah, that we, yeah yeah. Anyways, let me sign up for the raffle here. Here's my card, <laughs> hoping that's never worked. But I'd be hoping that people would be like, "Oh, okay, let's." That was a hot lead. Let's let's have him win the raffle.
1: And that's yeah, probably half the time that's what what happens. The um, yeah, the thing that that I'd say too about experimenting that um, that we see and I you know, we all go through different phases. And and we when we started our company seven years ago, I was probably much more defensive when we were in meetings with clients in terms of you know strategy and trying to um, impose maybe what our thoughts onto the the client. And I guess. Mm -hmm. What I've learned is that that's a pretty dangerous thing, and 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 quite frankly, with companies coming into new markets, which is our specialty, the um, uh, that can be very dangerous uh, in terms of their approach as well as being overly confident in terms of uh, of you know sort of making assumptions that that aren't necessarily true. And and we now kind of approach you know, sort of strategy meetings. Um, differently, and, and that is, you know, as, a, as opposed to sort of, you know, here's the strategies. We, you know, we may make recommendations or, or starting points, but we're 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 much more drawing out information from the client, which is is always been a pattern. But we'll, you know, then kind of impose, you know, sort of here's here are recommendations and you know and, and whatnot. But one of the things we've sort of learned to do is to be much more open to sort of everyone's ideas and and you know what worked in in the UK or what worked in yeah. Germany or what worked in Australia is you know let's not let's not make any assumptions either way but but really the idea is really to train everybody that's sort of working on the growth of the company to to learn how to test and learn how to be open to you know to to your point about you know sort of i have i have certain likes i don't like raffles and whatnot who cares? What is your client like? That's yeah. all you should care about. Right. And so if you, if you sort of, if you sw- switch everybody's paradigm to it's not about sort of being the loudest person in the, in the, you know, in the marketing meeting, it's really about how do we learn about the customer and, and love them and find out, you know, what motivates them, what challenges them, you know, what passions they have, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I think of this a lot. I, I you know, pre COVID, um, I, I traveled a lot. Travelled all through Europe and Asia and all that, and um, hopefully someday we'll get back there. I know, but but I think about marketing um, maybe a little bit differently. So so when I'm I only speak English, I, I immediately uh, you know sort of reveal my ignorance when I travel because I got I got one I got one trick, um, and so you know wh- whatever country I'm in, you know for the most part is not you know, sort of English speaking. And uh, so I'll go and I'll order sitting in a restaurant ordering food. And, you know, I'll, you know, if I'm not understood, my only strategy, uh, which of course, uh, immediately reveals my ignorance is to speak louder. And I think that's what a lot of marketing is today is when we're not understood, we speak louder as opposed to learning the language of the person we're trying to talk to. And, uh, and so I think the, that's really, you know, I think a key thing is, is, you know, this process of testing is really about learning our customer's language and it's not, you know, it's not written anywhere. It's, unfortunately, it's not, you know, there's no, uh, Berlitz class we can take for this. We gotta, we gotta go, we gotta discover it. And, um, and so not being so certain, I mean, ego is a huge part of, I think, developing, um, strong, um, you know, customer empathy and, and right. strong knowledge of how to communicate to customers.
0: How do, how do you build that language? And I'm with you, by the way. I, I do like to learn a little bit about, enough to be like polite, you know, thank you, hello, thank you, just because it's kind of fun. You're but, but right. I mean, other, definitely don't want to be talking. Yeah, yeah, do you have the, oh man, that's that's how America gets a bad reputation. Oh, we can't be doing that. We're brutal. Um, yeah. So that's how marketing gets a bad reputation. So how yeah. do you build that language? Your customer's, language? How do you learn that customer language?
1: You know, a, a long time ago, somebody taught me, um, and this is one small way, but I think, you know, things like this help is, um, you know, one really small way that somebody taught me was as I'm finishing meetings with people and, and, and not even necessarily just customers, but, but it was certainly from a marketing standpoint, it makes a lot of sense is, is to ask a simple, you know, sort of, for those that are old enough, they'll remember the TV show Columbo. Uh, but think of, think of, you know, Peter Falk in that role as he was, you know, smoking his cigar and he had putting on his trench coat, he, he would sort of stand up and, and get all ready to leave. And he'd say, I, I just have one more question. And so the the one question that I was taught to ask is, uh, you know, again, at the end of the meeting and, and, and I'll, sh- I'll share this quickly, but it's, um, understand it comes from a very empathic place. Oh, take your
0: time. We got all day.
1: Well no, that's I five mean five o'clock
0: we still got several hours for five o'clock so five o'clock somewhere.
1: We're... Yeah. Um but if it if yeah, it was like
0: four fifty, I'd be like Bill pressure's on media bridge version. Back.
1: But no no no. Yeah, yeah. It, but the but the point really is 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 to ask, you know, after you've covered the agenda of the meeting is to ask besides what we just spoke about or talked about, what else is it you're trying to solve? Um, and it, that's the beginning of of an empathic relationship. And it's you know I I see people a lot that that will you know sort of ask a much more direct question. I think you want to ask open ended questions, but but really trying to understand it. And think of this, you know, from the standpoint of you know there are a lot of different you know for most of us there are a lot of different customers we could talk to, but take you know start with you know the top five percent those that you, if you could replicate and get 10 more of them, your business would you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, really multiply. That's your, that's your sort of prototype. And if you can love and learn about your prototype customer, so think of that. So then somebody, you, know, they, they, you ask that question and, and half the people you'll ask this question of Will not be able to answer it. They won't be ready for it. It's you know done right. It's a, it's very empathic and but you're training them right. You're right. for the next time because the next time you come, you're going to ask the same question and and but you're you know getting building them into a situation where they see you more of uh, of a partner than a provider and um, and but think of where you do get information. So I've I've had um, you know I've had years of doing this where. Yeah. I've heard everything from as simple as I'm looking for a a new payroll provider, you know, our, our payroll company's messing up Mm -hmm. and they just, you know, they, they keep, you know, delivering the payroll late, they're getting it wrong. And, and of course the follow up question to that is, um, is that something you're looking for help with? And, you know, that's really all the, all you need are those two questions. And, and they go, gee, yeah. Do you know somebody? And whether you do or not, you go, if you do, yeah, great. I'll, let me get you the contact information or I'll, I'll have them call you or whatever is convenient. If you don't, that's opportunities to network and to use your network. You, know, you call your accountant, you call other business owners, maybe other key customers, say, hey, who do you use for payroll? I've got a client who essentially, think of any of these issues like fires that are burning in our, on, on our clients' and prospects' desks. We don't see them, they're invisible, but those are the things that are keeping them from making decisions. And they're also the things that are keeping us from building a stronger relationship. Um, And, and when you talk to professionals, you ask where do your best referrals come from? 95% and I, I speak in front of rooms where 95% of the the audience will say my best referrals come from current or past clients. Mm. So, you know, if you want to build advocacy, you have to build value um, and you have to build dependability, reliability, all that kind of stuff. And, And so the you know asking that question sort of opens the door to allow you to both um, build a much better bullpen, particularly in the areas that serve your client profile, if you will. Mm -hmm. So besides the things like you know payroll, you know you'll hear industry specific things that are kind of unique to their type of business. I've also had a totally on the other side. I've also had uh, someone say, and, and, and other personal issues like this, but hey, I, I, my issue is I'm trying to get one of my children into a military academy, and I need a letter of recommendation from a U.S. senator. In every state, there are only two U.S. senators, right? It's pretty right. pretty easy to narrow down down that list. Yeah. And um, and so again, beautiful opportunities to network and and invest in people and relationships, um, but but as you kind of Peel that back, those clients you know you, you we're either on offense or defense with clients, um, but this you know it's very hard to sell against and and price becomes less of an issue when the value proposition is so crazy high um, uh, w- w- when you're embedded with customers like this and they, and again they they're going to do everything from share much more. Uh, depth about their wants needs challenges and so on when you have that uh, when you have that level of intimacy and that level of trust Um, uh, yeah
0: because you're asking about things that don't even relate to you and there's
1: you're all you care about is them right It's like a
0: signal that says i'm not just trying to get your money like this can be more than a business transaction
1: yeah well and, and yeah yeah and, and again, it's a value-based relationship as opposed to a, a price-based relationship, which I think yes. you know, sales today is sort of denigrated to this point of commodity and so mm-hmm. many things are monetized um, that it, you know, it, I, I think it's, it, it certainly becomes a challenge for a lot of companies that uh, you know, it's very hard to defend on price. It's sort of, It eventually goes to zero.
0: <laughs> I don't know who said it, but somebody has said this before. That I heard that you know, how they found you is how they'll leave you. Yeah. You know? So if they found you on price, that's exactly how they're going to leave you too. Good.
1: good. That, um, I, I hadn't heard that put that way before. That's a brilliant yeah, way to put it. Yeah, yeah. I got to figure
0: out who said it because it's, really, <laughs> it's really smart. Um, yeah. I definitely that wasn't me. That was me. It go- just, and I had the same reaction. I was like, "Wow, oh, yeah,
1: yeah, so, wow." Yeah, we we employ R and D, uh, rip off and duplicate. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It, <laughs> so do other countries. <laughs> well, yeah, China so, um, maybe. What do
0: you what do you see? Because I, I, you're you're wrapped around trade shows and events. What do you see coming around in the future? Are we gonna get back to these trade shows? Can I get back to a happy hour? Yeah, you know, exactly. like what what, about what, what are you seeing from the marketplace, yeah. and what's your
1: your sense on it too? Yeah, we we spend a, a lot of time looking at this, and certainly talking to industry industry partners. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and actually, I think this has probably been a very you know, COVID's brutal, and and being quarantined yeah. is is brutal, and it's very tough on a lot of, a lot of businesses and industries. On, on the other hand, you know, from a an event standpoint, it's really I think it's exposed us to um, some really unique opportunities. I, I think the virtual events uh, uh, done well, and also, ex- and both from both sides, from both the sort of uh, organizer standpoint, and also from the participant standpoint um, are, are incredibly valuable. What we've seen with clients with those, um, you know, is an ability not only to participate, if, if you look at, you know, if you kind of in any industry, if you sort of survey the events that are appropriate for any company, imagine sure. that, you know, you have a list of maybe 50 events for any, any given company. And, and if you look at, you know, the ones you're going to go to as the sort of the A's, the ones that you might not exhibit in, but but uh, you might walk through um, mm-hmm. the B's and then the C's you know probably have, have no consideration at least at this point. And so what we've seen is that the A's actually get promoted because they're virtualized right now because the whether it's the cost or the timing or whatnot has made that more attractive to go. Maybe it was a long distance away and it would have taken too many days and it conflicted with another event or whatever the case was, but it's given the opportunity to experiment more yeah. uh, with additional audiences and geographies. Um, so that's a really positive thing. And I think the other, you know, I, I see, and certainly we'll go back to in-person events. And, you know, I think in, I, I'm not so clear on, you know, sort of what we look like a year from now um you know i think it may be somewhat of a hybrid a year from now um uh i think there'll be some in person events but i think it's it's less clear i think 5 years from now i don't think we'll really remember covid that, yeah. that much um you know i think it'll be you know, be in person events will be just as as vibrant um and so uh, i think what it looks like though I, I think if we do this right is strategies will be much more hybrid um mm. so that you know that we're using uh, virtual events, uh, you know I, I, I've talked to some organizations who see virtual events like some of the big conferences see doing maybe quarterly virtual events leading into the large in person event, but but ways to keep the community together to create more interaction so that the the large event is even sort of larger and more uh, uh, valuable for the audience. I think there're going to be a variety of strategies there, but I think you know each company really needs to assess this, Um, I I don't, and certainly in in our space, you know, sort of the B2B space, um, I don't think you can get away from meeting people in person. I think there's, you know, the relational side is is so important for for large sales. Um, uh, But yeah, but I think an integrated approach is is really is is really pretty smart. So I think I think there'll be some shifts. I think it, it's, you know, I think it's it's revealed some neat opportunities. But boy, oh boy, I can't I can't wait for the day mm-hmm. we can go to a meetup and have a cold beer with friends. It's just, yeah, uh, seriously, I'm I'm jonesing for that for sure. <laughs> seriously,
0: it, it is a good point though that the ones that maybe shouldn't have been there, the the C's, mm. people that weren't quite figuring them out, they they may not even come back. Um, yeah. Though, I don't know, people, they know, they know the fishing they, places they go, right? They have their fishing ponds, so they may just sprout back. Um, but I think that you're right. The clever ones will combine into different aspects.
1: Yeah, you know? I'm not saying the seas would go away. I'm just no? saying for, for any given company, the point really is, is you know, there are obviously there are plenty of companies that go to the seas. It's just oh, yeah, yeah. you might not, an individual company might not be selecting them for a variety of reasons, distance, time, they already have enough events in that category. We usually look at a a matrix of uh, variables that help us make decisions on what events to do, sort of the audience size, the quality of the audience for what we're looking for, the cost, the distance, all that kind of stuff. And so ultimately you end up with a ranking of the events that you, if you look at the full list as all of the p- possible events to go to yeah. we'll end up as, with a, a, a ranking of the events based on criteria and all i was saying is that sort of you know the a's are definites we're going to go and do those the b's we might just walk through so you know we'll you know it'd be less involvement less investment and probably just one person and the c's at least for us aren't we're not going to go to um, but I'm, i wasn't saying that those events won't won't be successful or come back yeah but, but
0: if, if we stop Choosing to go to the C's, does that mean the C's? They're,
1: well, they're only one. I'm only looking at a ref, one reference company. So I'm just oh, saying because yeah, yeah. you know we're making this decision for you know company one or company A. Um, company B is gonna have a totally different calculus, right? Based on where right. they are geography, what maturity companies they're looking for, what their you know buyer profile is, all that kind of stuff. So it's, gotcha, you know, and I, I think shows that were successful. You know, pre-COVID, if they can survive in the interim, will be you know just fine post-COVID. Um, yeah, that won't be a problem. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, I,
0: I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying with that. Um, cool. 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 Mm-hmm. Who, who? My question to you is like, who are
1: you? Like, how how do you know all these things? Can you take us back in time? A little bit. Uh, sure. Only only by making tons and tons of mistakes, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> right. right.
0: Like, what was it like growing up? To you? Did you? Did you? Did you kind of have a sense for the? Founder world that was gonna be your your baby as you as you got into this or or no what was it like growing up where'd you grow up was you in Connecticut as well or
1: uh, no in Massachusetts uh, just northeast oh, okay. of Boston in a little little town called Marblehead
0: oh yeah nice it's a great yeah. place out there
1: good place yeah yeah so um yeah no I come from an entrepreneurial family um my dad was in the ship repair business um, did a lot of government contracting and things like that um so I, I got to see sort of firsthand. Um, you know the the um uh, I, I think uh, the struggles and the opportunities with entrepreneurship um yeah. and i did have two corporate jobs i worked for airborne express for uh several years and then for a subsidiary of ibm for a few years um uh but i found i wasn't a very good employee so uh you know it it uh, it, mm. it it made a lot more sense to me to uh to start uh doing my own thing and um and so i've now started. I don't know seven or eight businesses, something like that. Um, I think ADD is probably a part of it as well. But, probably. Uh, Wait, what would you say?
0: I was I was playing my uh, MLB draft over here or something.
1: <laughs> exactly. I was yeah. yeah. I was, uh, looking at the shiny object.
0: Right, uh, right. There's a laser. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly, um, but yeah, no. It's uh, it, it's really been an interesting journey. I think the you know the thing that that I think about in in the process is um, uh, just how much we can, um, self-determine. And, you know, I think w- when, it, when I, I, some of the travel I do is to, um, help entrepreneurs in other countries. And mm-hmm. so we, we'll go and, you know, I'll judge or MC a, a pitch event in you know, Europe or Asia or somewhere. And, wow. uh, and, you know, the, I, entrepreneurship in my mind, uh, from a U.S. standpoint, is is our best foreign policy? Uh, the idea that we democratize the concept of entrepreneurship. I think, you know, when people are you know financially independent, uh, uh, they they uh, they want a lot less of what you have, um, and more than that, they're they're fulfilled, and you know they they move off of the r- bottom rung of Maslow's chart uh, mm-hmm. and this hierarchy of needs. So. You know, I think, uh, you know, and, and besides the fact that, you know, the idea of global trades, um, really interesting, the idea of, of um, you know, being able to, whether it's buy products or sell products, you know, uh, from to and from other countries, I think is, uh, is great, just improves our access uh, so much. And were you thinking about this as like a 12 year old? Uh, no, I wanted to be an oceanographer and a professional hockey player, sort of okay. the winter, winter, uh, summer uh, vocations. Uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, yeah, my yeah, the Bruins, of course. Yeah, my skating skills uh, were were sort of uh, marginal, uh, so it was, <laughs> it was never, never really fulfilled. So it was, uh, yeah. and 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 uh, the the oceanography thing uh, kind of fell by the wayside at some point. But I still love the ocean. But. What, so
0: do you do you need to go back and start a company relating to the ocean now? Is that, is that uh, what you're
1: you know? I I see that uh, I think that's going to be the retirement company for sure. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really see stopping. So it's got to be something that you know travels with me easily and you know from some boat somewhere.
0: Right, i think maybe mine is like a it's like a bar slash marketing school slash scuba gear rental. <laughs> Store right on the beach in Saint Croix. I like this. And you know, come learn marketing, or pour your drink, or go snorkeling. I don't care. One well, it's of the... sort of
1: like morning. It's a morning. We have a, a little workshop on on marketing, yes. and then the afternoon scuba class or scuba yes. you know, adventure for sure.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I exactly. I, I mean,
1: I'm right with you there. I maybe like it's like a fun. jump school, or you know, at least snorkeling
0: because like. I kind of don't like the things that swim in the sea that make me not at the top of the food chain. <laughs> so I prefer to have the island drinks and, yeah, you know, stay near the shore. But yeah, I've got other They're friends not. that are all about scuba. Do you do any scuba yourself, or
1: yeah, no, I love scuba. Are you sure. like
0: super deep water certified and all the different?
1: I uh, you no, know, just have the basic certification. But I've gone down to probably a little over a hundred feet. So
0: wow, what's that? Three atmospheres?
1: It would be three atmospheres. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. Wow,
0: that, that's legit. That's way down there.
1: Well, it's, yeah, I, I I can't hold my breath probably from that, from that I know,
0: but don't you have to do like the waiting thing as you go back up from a hundred?
1: You yeah, you you probably depending on how long you stay down, you you'd need to decompress uh, coming up. It, it not not a lot if with just you know one tank of air, but, um, but
0: oh oh, you do it all in one. Oh, okay, that makes sense.
1: Yeah yeah yeah, but you could you certainly you can certainly be down there longer with multiple tanks and all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a more complex, uh, decompression well, to
0: it. You run the scuba shop, <laughs> our slash marketing school.
1: Sounds like Let a plan. I'm going
0: to about marketing.
1: <laughs> so we, my wife and I, every, uh, every couple of years, uh, we'll charter a boat in, mm. a sailboat in the Caribbean and, wow. you know, take, you know, friends to maybe to, to a yeah. couple, something like that. And, uh, yeah, so we, 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 you know, we'll, we'll arrange it. So, you know, if there are eight of us, let's say, we'll arrange it. So six or seven of us scuba dive and, but we make sure that at least one or two don't and the jobs of the people that don't scuba dive is that they have to have the, the hors d'oeuvres and the drinks ready for us when we come up. So that's uh, you know, we're right, right with you. So it's really a, we, we grade on creativity and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Well,
0: as long as I can set the budget, I'll I'll get, you know, (laughs) lobster and, or just, you know,
1: there you go. I, I, I love can't it.
0: promise how much of the the beverages will be left by the time you come back.
1: <laughs>
0: like, no, yeah, well, it, it does okay. sound like a good time.
1: It's well, it's 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 a even even in a a bad day, it's still a pretty good place to be. So. Yeah, yeah, hundred
0: mm-hmm. percent. Except for the really bad days, then you go back up upland or something. Yeah. I got a hypothetical question for you. If you could go back in time and talk to yourself, and this mm-hmm. is like right after graduating, finished Dartmouth you get your degree, maybe a couple days later, so you can kind of just get a clear head about to do your, your career. What kind of advice would you give yourself in that situation?
1: That's a good, that's a really good question. Um, You know, I think the, um, I, you know, I would have probably um, gone into entrepreneurship earlier. I think having work experience is important for entrepreneurship working, but, but instead of working for, A couple of large companies. I would have aimed at companies that were probably more of what I wanted to create, and almost approach it like an internship. Yeah, Um, I I think that's a internships are such a valuable tool. Um, And um, yeah, I think that would be be one. I think the other would be you know it's something I see quite a bit with with entrepreneurs. uh, You know, especially where I get to travel a lot and see entrepreneurs in different different places. But I think one of the things that that really um, is challenging for entrepreneurs right now is the way the, the the way entrepreneurship is taught. I think we've, we're selling this fallacy in entrepreneurship education, um, and I, I, I kind of look at it, it, it. You know, today it's sort of bottled in in three. You know, entrepreneurship in three easy steps, um, and it. You know, whether you're you kind of go to the accelerators or you you go to you know the universities that are teaching it or, or whatnot. Um, but the three steps that I, I hear uh, it, it are you know, have an idea, get funding, buy a yacht. Oh, and geez. You yeah. know, but it's, it's and, and, and I, I mean, I, as a mentor, I get this, you know, sort of question all the time from entrepreneurs, and, and that is, you know, sort of, is my idea good? And which to me, number one, as a mentor, I would never answer that question, because, you know, it's sort of like, how the heck do, do I know, right? And mm-hmm. the only validation that, that actually tells you if your idea is good because the idea is you have a business and a business has customers. And, and so, you know, my, my response is what sales do you have? That, that right. That's the only evidence of, you know, sort of product market fit and, yep. and validation. So, so, so here's the second sort of thing I would say that I would coach myself on is, as opposed to being an idea centered entrepreneurship, which I, th- I think again is what's taught and it's what's sort of driven into you know, sort of young entrepreneurs worldwide is this idea of have an idea, get funding, you know, buy a yacht, celebrate like Mark Zuckerberg, right? And mm-hmm. um, and instead, I would drive myself at least to be a demand-centered entrepreneur. Instead mm-hmm. of worrying about the idea, I would, I would do one of, I suggest one of two paths, either finding a customer segment, a, a, a type of customer that I want to satisfy and I would love them and learn from them and figure out what's keeping them awake at night, and find a solution or solutions to that problem mm-hmm. that, that they want to buy, or I would have um, some problem I want to solve and find the customer for that uh, for that problem. Not worry about the product. That product, product is really the easy part of the whole process. Mm-hmm. Finding some, finding a problem worth solving is so much harder. Um, the solutions are, you, I, that solution may already exist. Uh, um, it's just not applied in this circumstance to this customer. But the, the, num- the number of technologies right now that are sitting on shelves in universities looking for a problem would make you sick. I mean, it's, we're talking trillions of dollars of technology that is sitting on university shelves and corporate shelves that you know are just sitting dormant looking right. for a problem. And if all we simply did was find the problems that are worth solving and this, you know, this isn't for, you know, people that are in on the consumer side that are, you know, creating things like the next iPad or, you know, the next level technology. Mm -hmm. This is, this is the formula is different, but I think for sort of the traditional entrepreneur um, being demand centered is, you know, I I think we still need that Steve Jobs is, you know, the 10% of entrepreneurship needs to be idea-centered and just dream. Yeah. I think the rest of us mere mortals um, who aren't that smart uh, need, need, to, need, need to employ simpler rules. And it is, I, I tell you, the failure rate of, of entrepreneur, idea-centered entrepreneurs is, is staggering and the expectation. So think about the idea-centered entrepreneur is, yeah, you know, they, they have this idea, they wanna build this new app that you know, delivers beer faster or whatever the heck it does, Oops, mm-hmm. who cares, right? But they have this idea and the more time they spend on building it, right? The the, the normal thing is they, you know, they go in there, they have an idea, they go in their basement, six to 12 months later, they come out of their basement and they go, well, you know, you know, love me, love my idea. That person is much less coachable. They're much less likely to listen to customers. They don't have any gunpowder left to change it. So all they can do is talk louder, right? When they go to sell it, They're just going to talk louder. And that's why we get so many email newsletters because a lot of people are selling shit that nobody cares about. Yeah. And, and, but it, you know, it, 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 it's a terrible cycle. And, and that, that person is, is really uncoachable and they, they not just um, are less likely to, to change, but they can't afford to change. They have, they've used up all their resources. They're, uh, they're losing team members because they, you know, they, 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 just, you know, they've, invested all this time in building something that uh, unfortunately the market doesn't, doesn't want. And, and, and they don't have t- money to market and all that and marketing really should come first. It's you, we gotta, we gotta know what people want. And actually that's, I think to me, the brilliance of the crowdfunding platforms mm-hmm. is you, yeah. you start with sales first and then you build the product. Um, and I think that's a, you know, it's a great, that's a great methodology to test ideas and, uh, you know, obviously, you have to follow through. You have to execute on it after that. But, but, you did. but, but, you know, you, you know, when I was a kid, there was a company called Franklin Mint Coins. This was the first minimally viable product I saw. The first sort of demand centered company that I saw was huh. um, so. The, the, if you if if you uh, remember them, or you may be too young to remember them. I th- and I think they're still around, but they're doing it differently. But in those days, they bought full page newspaper ads, and they would sell. These commemorative coins, which was, you know, you know, when there was a Apollo mission, yeah, yeah, I remember those.
0: They're commercials. Yeah,
1: Yeah, they they would print these coins. So that so you if you look at their ad or or watch their commercial, they would always have in the fine print it said, you know, allow six to eight weeks for delivery. So you you know you call the toll free number or you send in the the order form, and you allow six to eight weeks for delivery. The six to eight weeks wasn't because it took that long for them to pick pack and ship it. Um, it was because they hadn't built any damn coins yet, and their only expense right now is a drawing and an ad, <laughs> <laughs> right? And so th- they're they're really testing demand. And I think uh. you know, when you think about it, that's the essence of fishing, right? We're testing we're testing this bait to see if we have demand. We it, it's just like the same thing, you know. If you're if you're in your booth and you say we're running this exec-, you know, this executive briefing and this webinar on this topic you don't have to have developed the webinar yet. I mean, right. all you're trying to do is figure out does anybody care about this topic? And, and, and those are the people we want to talk to because you know, we, that's a, that's a space we want to play in. Yeah. Um, so you can do, you can use testing in a lot of very unique ways, but man almighty, I, I you know, I, I, the one thing I would just beat the crap out of myself until I understood is don't, you know, don't, don't make a product or build a business around something that that you're, you're not 100% sure of the demand.
0: That's it. Yeah. Man, I, I, I had never even thought about the fact that they don't have to
1: print those things <laughs> until they find out. Isn't it, it's a brilliant thing, right? Yeah. It's, so, I mean, today you can put up a, a landing page totally yep. for True. free, right? Test any idea you want. You, there's so yeah. low, little friction in testing ideas, but you shouldn't stop with that test, obviously then, right. you know, maybe you have pre-sales and then you go and talk to customers. Why did you, you know, what is it you want? Mm-hmm. Why did you opt into this? Yeah. And, and you obviously want to build to that, to whatever profile person you're trying to attract there and build a feature set and, and, and get them out. Of, Cause people that, that are, you know, like for example, if you, you know, think of something we know people have demand for, right. A cure for breast cancer as an example. People that have breast cancer, right? The survivability rate is, you know, reasonably low. Um, They, they, they're okay with a 50% chance of of success, right? So, think think about people. If you think of people that are desperate or urgent for a solution, if you can find things where people are desperate, then you can iterate versions of your products to sort of opt to sort of move from 50% reliability to 60% to 70% to 80% you have people that will allow you and be patient with you because they're so happy to be 50% reliable, you know, and, and, and they'll co- kind of coach you through the process, help you yeah. through the process, and be very glad to be, you know, sort of on the path to a, a, a good solution. Huh? Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, a, we get, we get
0: some nuggets out of this thing. Yeah.
1: We... You know, you got me in a good day. Yeah. I get you in a good day. <laughs> it's a
0: Friday, man. I get you in a Monday. I don't know what's going on, but, you uh, don't well, man, where, where can people connect with you?
1: Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, certainly, uh, LinkedIn's easy. Um, bill Kenny on LinkedIn. Um, and then, uh, yeah, our, my email is just bill at uh, either softlandpartners.com or meetroi.com. So, uh, awesome.
0: On. Love when you just throw out the email. That, that's great. Yeah. Do you do uh, Twitter much?
1: I do. Yeah, uh, actually, at uh, Bill okay. Kenny. Yeah, I just followed you on yeah. there
0: cool cool yeah we'll put links to all this in the in the show notes down below Very cool. um man thanks for coming on here this has been fun just hanging out great way to f- spend a friday afternoon just um you know i don't know it'd be a different kind of podcast if we were both drinking but uh I, next anyway. one
1: yeah yeah i'll have you on mine and we can uh we'll, we'll have it a slightly later in the day and uh, yeah I'll be there
0: yeah what's your podcast where, where, where can people find that
1: yeah so we have uh one that is uh called belly to belly so belly uh, the number two and then belly um, obviously in-person marketing and, yes. then, uh, <laughs> and and then we have uh, one called soft land central that's particularly focused on uh, market entry uh, conversations
0: okay soft land central perfect that's cool it's always great chatting with fellow podcaster um, because you just you know you know and we you have good audio and it just works out well so that's cool good stuff well thank you again and for those people listening, if you learned something, and I know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, then share this with someone. Be a thought leader on LinkedIn, and that's how you do it. You say, And don't just link to it. Say, this is what I learned. Here's my thought. Tag, Bill. Tag myself. And we'll join the conversation in with you on that one. Um, but it is good stuff. Bill, thanks again, man. This will be fun. Let's, let's stay in touch and, uh, and get me on that boat.
1: Sounds good. Such a pleasure, Casey. <laughs>
0: Awesome. For those people listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.